Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. I've never been very good at balance. When I was a kid, there was a brief period when I was a semi-serious gymnast. For a short time, I dreamed of being an Olympian, an aspiration that had absolutely no grounding in reality. The majority of my team was far more skilled than I was, and I joined too late in the game to ever catch up. Even so, I loved it, enough to spend eight years of my life doing it. As a scrawny girl with big shoulders and outsized thighs and calves, I could power my way through vault and floor, muscle and grip my way around the uneven bars. But on the balance beam, I floundered. While I was learning to do double backflips on the floor and giants on the high bar, I could still barely stick a cartwheel on the beam. Often I had rashy red burns from scraping a thigh or hip on the way down, To this day, I wince when I recall the singular shock of falling hard and crotching the beam. Gymnastics is an individual sport. In all of the events, you're out there alone. But my beam failures felt particularly humiliating because there was no such thing as a little fall. All it took was one foot slipping off and I'd go down. Sometimes this happened in the middle of a cartwheel or a back walkover when I was upside down. A misplaced hand would send me crashing to the mat below. This was worse during competitions, when my performance on each event was given a number, a score that, at least on the beam, often left me feeling devastated and embarrassed. Sometimes afterward, one of my teammates would come up to me and say something kind but untrue, like maybe my performance on bars or floor could make up for my low score on the beam. But about the only thing that really helped in those situations was when one of them would just sit beside me and put a hand on my shoulder to let me know that I wasn't alone. Even though I quit gymnastics when I was 14, I still have a hard time with balance. My ambitions and intentions often outsize my skill. It's still easier for me to muscle my way through life, to try to solve a problem through sheer hard work and determination. When it comes to the more delicate work of balancing in the parts of life where I feel unsteady, more often than not, I fall. I suppose I'm a product of the country I was raised in. We are a country that likes to brag about pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, but can't seem to stop falling off the beam when it comes to the things that are harder to talk about. We point to the successes we've had muscling and gripping our way through history But meanwhile, there's that balance beam, glaring proof of our flaws and mistakes. When we do dare to get up on the beam, we fall off again and again. It's rare that we stick the landing. Sometimes it seems like there's no point in trying, like maybe we should just throw in the towel and try a different sport. Except that this isn't just a sport we're talking about. The stakes are much higher. Those falls are not mere scrapes on our legs or awkward landings. They're lives lost, families and communities grieving, reverberations of a scream that started centuries ago and continues today. In my home city of Minneapolis, 
Burning buildings are putting a picture to what so many in our country have felt raging inside themselves all their lives. Our country is in turmoil. Even COVID-19 feels like a footnote by comparison. Musician Miko Marx released a single a couple of months ago called Goodnight America. I've been listening to it on repeat this past weekend. It feels like an anthem for this time we are living in. I hope you'll take a few minutes today and listen to it too. I'll include a link to it in my show notes. As Miko said just this past week, America must change course. The injustice is on full display and cannot be denied. Where do we start? Healing? Honesty? Truth about the obvious economic disparity, racism, and inequality? I've spent a lot of my adult life trying to find the balance I've never been very good at, especially recently. All across the nation, I see my country struggling to find that balance, too. Our mistakes in this area are shameful at best. At their worst, they're deadly. I'm trying in this moment to understand what it means to be anti-racist, to accept that racism is in my DNA, it's in my country's constitution, and the systems that have shaped and favored me. It embarrasses me how slow I am on the uptake, how much I'm still falling off the beam. What I've come to for now is this. My search for daily sanity this week is less about talking and more about listening. It's less about using strength and more about relinquishing power. Which is not to say that I have anything figured out. You're probably going to see me fall off the beam. But opting out isn't an option. We have to figure out how to address racism in our country. Even though we'll probably come away with some rashy scrapes and bruises, our black brothers and sisters have endured far worse for centuries. Every day this week, I'm going to feature stories from people around the country, people who have been fighting this fight for a long time. They're people who have inspired me this week as I've listened to them, voices of courage and hope, even in the face of long-standing injustice and systemic racism. Our country might be in a very different place today if we had been listening to them all along. The first one came to me as an installation for the series of episodes I've been working on, looking at this time through the lens of the nine types of the Enneagram. I'll be sharing more of those episodes in the coming weeks, but even if you don't know anything about the Enneagram, I hope you'll appreciate this perspective today. Hi, my name is Moki Musau, and I live in Leesburg, Virginia. I'm 30 years old, blessed husband to a beautiful wife and a proud father of a 17-month-old prince. Uh, some background about me is I was born and raised in Nairobi, Kenya, and immigrated to Virginia with my family in 2001. I have a fraternal twin brother and a younger brother, and my dad died last year after a heroic 17-year journey with cancer. I am a residential realtor right now. That is what I do for work. And during this time of sheltering in place, my family and I have been living with my mom. I'm an Enneagram 8 with a 9 wing. The word I would use to describe myself is intense. Uh, one key thing I've learned about my Enneagram type is that my intensity is a great quality uh, that can be used to create space for other people to thrive. Um, and alternatively, it can be very overbearing when I'm in an unhealthy state. 
I've been sheltering in place for a billion days. Um, before we began sheltering in place, my life wasn't very different other than the ability to go into the office every morning and you know, open houses we could hold every weekend. Um, my family and I had obviously more opportunities to go outside, to go play in parks, to visit friends, and to travel. Nowadays, I wake up incredibly late. Uh, my daily routine is all but non-existent at this point. And my stress levels in my marriage, my finances, and, and family, and, and everything else are really high. Um, I've gained about 10 pounds, um, and uh, my eating habits are pretty sporadic. And I usually revolve around uh, when i got to take my medication. Uh, speaking of which, I began anxiety meds, uh, specifically hydroxyzine, during uh, sheltering in place because of the strain of everything. Uh, the finances, managing the relationships, expectations, adjusting to a new way of life. All of this just became uh, just overwhelming and just became really, really hard to deal with. The worst thing about sheltering in place uh, has been the conflation of work, family, and basically everything else. Um, life just feels like one big blob of existence. Everything going into each other and out of one another and there's no separation between anything. And so it just makes everything is all in your face all the time uh, with no transition. The best thing about it, about sheltering in place, has been just finding new ways to connect with so many people all over the place, especially people I lost touch with. I'm actually trying to talk to every single person that I'm Facebook friends with now. It's opened my eyes to see the opportunities to connect with old friends, with with family back in Kenya that I haven't spoken to in, I mean, some of them in over 20 years when I think about the future, my hopes are that the new ways of connecting, you know, continue and also that we can find ways to repair the uh, physical ways of connecting that we had prior to the pandemic, especially the unhealthy ones. When I think about the future, I feel afraid uh, that we're going to rush back into trying to get back to normal and we're going to live and exist with unreconciled and unhealed trauma. Especially now that it's a, an election year, um, a lot of people are going to take out their pent-up emotions, frustrations, anxieties, and whatever on people like me and, and my son. Um, you know, we'll become the scapegoats for people's unhealed trauma. Um, what I need most right now is money. The pressure to provide is, is intense. Um, the lack of money provides a strain. Uh, it's an all-consuming anxiety that stifles most of my creativity, most if not all of my energy, and most, if not all, of my zest for life. What I really wish that other people understood about me is that I don't feel sorry for myself. You know, even with all the things that I have to do, balance, you know, maintain, manage, try and enhance right now, I don't feel sorry for myself. Um, you know, I'm recently married. I'm a new father. My wife and I and my son, we moved from, you know, South Africa back to Virginia after, you know, for me, being in a toxic work environment, you know, working under a narcissist, um, you know, now we're both starting new jobs. You know, my dad just died and, and all of this in the last two years. Am I functioning optimally? No. Am I fully focused? No. Am I still doing the best that I can every single day? Yes. When I'm feeling down during this time, uh, I deal with it by taking medication because it's either that or drink most of the time. The best thing anyone has done for me during this time is uh, understand my pain. And when I think about the future, I feel somewhat hopeful, um, but also very fatigued. 
Uh, I just want to live in a place that's safe to raise my family. When I dream about life, what life after COVID could be like, I, I hope my family has a good place to live. Um, I hope we have good neighbors and that communities you know, have a greater appreciation for one another and for what we can all do to help one another you know, live uh, good, healthy lives. I hope that people work to actually fix the race problem instead of leaving it all up to black people all the time. I never did excel at the balance beam. No matter how much I practiced, I still fell off again and again. And even though I quit gymnastics a long time ago, I'm not ready to quit life. Back when I was a kid falling off the beam, the only thing that helped was that hand on my shoulder. I needed that reminder that I wasn't alone. I think about our world right now, about how many people are feeling hopeless or anxious or angry or insane. It's hard to find sanity in this world right now. We keep falling off the beam. So I wonder today if the daily gift of sanity can be not false words of comfort or offerings of peace, but the gift of presence and support. Maybe we can't put a physical hand on the shoulder of a friend, but we can still reach out and ask them how they're doing. Maybe we can resist the urge to offer false comfort or advice and instead just listen. Maybe we can be willing to hear some hard things. It's not going to fix our world or make us good on the beam, but it might help us figure out how to support each other better, how to find the courage to get up again, even though we know we'll keep falling. If you're a white person listening to this right now, maybe you feel scared to get back up on the beam. You know that probably you're going to fall. It's been easier to stay quiet or stick to the events you're good at. Think of these episodes this week as a hand on your shoulder, reminding you that you're not alone as you get back up on the beam. If you're a person of color listening, then probably nothing you hear this week will be news to you. You've been stuck on that beam all your life. Maybe the other events weren't even an option for you. The hand on your shoulder this week might feel more like solidarity. And while I hope you feel that from me, probably you'll feel it more from the voices I share this week. But wherever you are, I hope hearing these episodes this week will help you to bend toward hope, even when it feels impossible. If you found today's episode meaningful, I hope you'll share it with a friend and subscribe wherever you listen. If you listen on iTunes, rating and reviewing this podcast helps others find it too. As always, you can find more information about today's episode in my show notes at laurajoycedavis.com. You can also support Shelter in Place by supporting our sponsors. When you use the code SHELTER at brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com, you get 10% off your order and support this show and also other businesses working toward more sustainable living. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.